production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon, and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland, where we are devoted to conversations of consequence that help democracy thrive. It's Friday, February 23rd, and I'm Matt Zone, Senior Vice President and Director of the Thriving Communities Program at the Western Reserve Land Conservancy, and a proud City Club member. It is my pleasure to introduce today's forum, which is part of the Sustainable Northeast Ohio series at the City Club. Over the last 50 years, Cleveland has lost about half of its tree canopy due to development and disease. Experts say our tree coverage should be at least 30%. Instead, we're at 18% and falling. This statistic is worse in east side neighborhoods like Central, which has only a 6.5% tree canopy coverage. Trees are a critical piece of our community. They are a critical part of our infrastructure they make neighborhoods healthier and safer. They add economic value to homes and businesses. They help meet environmental challenges and give us a stronger connection to nature that improves mental health. Today, we'll be discussing what can be done to ensure our city meets its ambitious goal of 30% tree coverage by 2040. Right now, a collaboration of public, private, and community stakeholders have been working to advocate for funding, policy changes, and public awareness of the importance of rebuilding the urban forest. And a few of those individuals are with us today. Samira Malone, director of the Cleveland Tree Coalition. Crystal Sierra, director of neighborhood sustainability at Slavic Village Development. And Divya Sridhar, manager of climate resiliency and sustainability at Cleveland Neighborhood Progress. Moderating today's conversation is Rich Cochran, president and chief executive officer at the Western Reserve Land Conservancy and chair of the Cleveland Tree Coalition Executive Committee. If you have questions for our speakers, you can text it to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. And the City Club staff will try to work it into the second half of the program. Members and friends of the City Club of Cleveland, please join me in welcoming Samira, Crystal, Divya, and Rich. Well, welcome to Cleveland on February 23rd, where it's always 50 degrees and sunny. <laughs> if you're not from Cleveland, this is our normal winter weather. We we're going to talk to you today about the urban tree canopy, and we have a fantastic panel to do that. Uh, my role is just to provide some context at the beginning, which I'll do now. One of my mentors always said, context is worth 40 IQ points. The difference between being a moron and exceptionally bright is how he described it to me, and I was normally on the wrong side of that spectrum. So the context is in the 1800s, and really up until about 1950, many cities in the world placed great importance on the urban tree canopy. In fact, the wealthiest cities in the world were famous for their canopies, from London to Berlin to New York to Cleveland. We had amazing 50-plus percent tree canopies. And we were historically referred to as the Forest City, as many of you know. Not surprisingly, that covered more than 50% of our land area with towering elms, London plains, ash trees, majestic oaks, you name it. We had one of the greatest tree canopies in the world. Why did all of these cities invest, including Cleveland, so heavily in tree canopy to the point where mayors were horticulturalists and insisted on it? Well, trees have a cooling effect, and this was before air conditioning. This was an essential attribute that every civic leader valued tremendously. They actually became incredibly important just from a public health standpoint because they prevented what is now known as urban heat island effect. And then for many reasons, almost all cities began to lose their tree canopy. In Cleveland, this began around 1950, not uh, 
Surprisingly, that was about the time that air conditioning became commercially available to both residential and commercial buildings. All office buildings, as you know, were retrofitted. Many of the homes were retrofitted. And today, if you went around Northeast Ohio, virtually every home would either have a window unit or central air conditioning, and every office building, certainly. So trees became less critical for cooling. They were no longer needed for that purpose. Another thing happened. Several catastrophic diseases struck. The Dutch elm disease, of course, wiped out hundreds of millions, if not billions, of elm trees. Emerald ash borer followed that and wiped out now billions of ash trees. And there are many other blights and diseases that have contributed to this loss. Another thing that happened in places like Cleveland is our, our tax base went down. What's the easiest thing to cut out of your municipal budget? Tree planting, tree maintenance. It doesn't really show up for 50 or 70 years. It's a politician's dream. You cut the police force in half, everybody notices that day. You cut tree maintenance, people notice 50 years from now. You're long retired. So this was an easy picking, and not only in Cleveland, but many, many cities. By the way, very few of those formerly wealthiest cities in the world, other than Vienna, Austria, maintain their tree canopies very well. By the year 2010, Cleveland was in a horrible situation. This is about the time that many of us became aware of this problem. I first became aware of the problem because I was looking at Google Maps of the east side of Cleveland, in particular the Bratnall area, and I realized you could identify the actual municipal lines from tree canopy alone on an aerial image. You can trace with your hand the boundary between Shaker Heights and the east side of Cleveland just based on tree canopy because it more than triples at the municipal line, not a block away from it, at it. Same with Bratnall. It's really a remarkable thing that happened over, again, 70 years. This is another challenge with trees. When an earthquake or hurricane hits, we mobilize massive resources to correct that damage because they happen overnight, like a heart attack. We, when we have a heart attack, we marshal massive resources to give a triple bypass and correct the problem, even though it took 60 years of not taking care of yourself, usually. Uh, but still, it's a massive response. That doesn't happen with tree canopy. And even if you do have a massive response, which the four of us are trying to generate right now, and there's a national movement to do that as well, even if you have that massive response, it takes decades to get back to where you were, unlike a triple bypass. So our organization, Western Reserve Land Conservancy, and many, many others, and you'll hear from in a moment, have been studying this since about 2012. We formed the Cleveland Tree Coalition to build a bigger, stronger platform to address this literal public health equity catastrophe that we now have with an 18% tree canopy citywide, as Matt said, less than 10% in many of the formerly redlined neighborhoods that have been hardest hit by everything, not just loss of trees, by everything, and so bringing resources to those communities. As a father of three daughters, I believe strongly in the concept of girl power. Um, and happily, we have a lot of very powerful women leading the effort to reforest the city of Cleveland. Three of the most powerful are here with me today. We're going to hear from them, and then uh, at about 12.30, we'll transition to the traditional forum Q&A with all of you. First, I'd like to introduce one of Cleveland's greatest boots-on-the-ground tree advocates, Crystal Sierra. As you know, she's the Director of Neighborhood Sustainability at Slavic Village. Crystal, please tell us about yourself and then about how and why you and others are reforesting the streets of Cleveland. Um, so a little bit about myself. I am a Cleveland native. Um, I grew up in Lorain County and moved to Cleveland proper about 15 years ago. Um, and I think as far as boots on the ground, uh, what we're trying to do um, is support the city's tree canopy goals, as well as work collabor collaboratively across sector. Um, so being part of the coalition um, and working with CNP Urban Forestry, um, I think helps us to further our goals as, as a CDC. Thank you so much. Next, I'd like to ask Samira to share a few thoughts, but first I want to take a moment 
to share some breaking and bittersweet news with all of you. While Sam is our first director of the Cleveland Tree Coalition, uh, she will be leaving us soon, unfortunately, after two years on the job. She has done an exemplary job as our first leader. And And not surprisingly, she has been recruited by many national organizations, <laughs> one of whom landed her uh, last week. Um, so we are currently planning the transition. She will become the national urban reforestation leader for a major sustainability effort and will remain a Cleveland resident and a very close partner of ours. And Sam, uh, personally, I'd just like to say, I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and oh, why you. trees are so important. Well, first and foremost, my heart is so full. Thank you. Ooh, did I step? <laughs> what, what would the day be without a little technical difficulties? Uh, well, first and foremost, my heart is so full right now. Thank you so much for those very kind words. I'm very excited to be able to continue to support the really impactful work he happening here in the city of Cleveland. And I've had the great fortune of serving as the inaugural director over the last two years. And, Really, this work feels like a full circle, purposeful life's path for me. Um, I grew up here in the city of Cleveland. I'm an east side girl through and through. And it became abundantly clear to me um, how, how purposeful it was from an ecological standpoint to make sure that we were really fortifying our communities um, for the long haul, thinking about it through a climate resiliency perspective. Um, but it also feels to me not just environmental justice, but an act of racial restorative justice, because as what mentioned, when we look at the data, of course, the city of Cleveland has an 18% tree canopy, which is devastating in comparison to even its municipal neighbors here in Cuyahoga County. Um, but what, what became abundantly clear to me when we began to look at the data on the granular neighborhood level, there was a significant disparity in formerly redlined communities. And I use the word formerly in quotations because these communities are still redlined. Um, and so it became clear that this was not just environmental work, but it was also a holistic approach to community development. It was also an act of racial restorative justice. Um, so I'm really proud of the coalition and how it serves as this very unique national model as to how you can leverage existing assets, both from the public-private and nonprofit perspective to really mobilize and get behind creating a better and greener future for our residents and everyone deserves access to that. So the coalition has been uh, in existence since 2015, um, but I feel like over the last several years, we've had some really catalytic momentum in terms of being able to provide not only as a platform and convener of all activities, forestry related, both public, private and um, public, private, and, and nonprofit partners, but we've also been able to make direct investments. One of the things that I'm most proud of of our organization is to be able to provide grant funding to partners like CDCs and other uh, non-governmental agencies and public entities to help not only support pr tree planting projects here in the city of Cleveland, but establishment. Because in order for us to sustainably and effectively grow our urban forest, it's not just about planting trees, because we're not going to plant our way out of this issue. It's about also maintaining our existing tree canopy and fortifying that for the future. So that's extremely important. And uh, I've had the great pleasure of serving in this role and working alongside these two very brilliant women um, who are doing amazing work. <laughs> Um, to continue to be implementation partners in the very robust goal that we have in, of increasing Cleveland Street Canopy from 18% to 30%. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> and Divya, as you know, from Cleveland Neighborhood Progress, has been involved in the urban reforestation efforts in Cleveland from the beginning and sees it through a lot of lenses. Uh, also a planner. Divya, share with us some of why you think this is so important and what you're doing. Yeah, um, so first, thank you um, to City Club um, for having us here and all our wonderful friends, partners, colleagues listening in here and um, on air. Um, this is actually, uh, um, trees everybody would think is a, it, that everybody loves trees, right? It is one of the most divisive topics that you can think about when you start to think about it. So I just laid it out right there. 
Um, <laughs> um, why are we in this? I mean, you know, we have abundant vacant land, right? See, and, I mean, Cleveland Neighborhood Progress, for those who don't know, um, Cleveland Neighborhood Progress, we're a nonprofit intermediary. We work um, closely across the, um, the systems, um, the, the municipal systems, the philanthropic systems, and then at the community development corporation. So tr truly as an intermediary, we serve as a connective tissue, both across the spectrum of work, which is economic development, real estate, planning, so creating um, strong neighborhoods, and, um, you know, um, and at the intersection of going across the scale of um, partners that we work through. So, so I just wanted to lay the context of our um, work here. Um, and it really became important. Um, I'm a mother of a 13-year-old. Um, I came from India. Um, and when I first came here, um, you know, I grew up climbing, on tree, climbing trees, but it is not something that you see um, every so often um, here. Um, so it, I walked around different neighborhoods, um, to understand what Cleveland really looked like for years before I got into this work. Um, I trained architects, so I have that background. So trees, I don't look at them as just a, um, as a, a nature-based solution, right? They are a built environment solution that is a nature-based solution. It is, um, but so we don't get to see these things. We, we typically talk about them as an open space or a built environment system. But we really richly laid out that Trees have the potential to cool your space, which means it has multiple roles. It plays different roles in different people's lives. And I think in, in CNP's iteration, when we started to incubate the CTC many years ago, along with several partners in the room, um, when CNP was one of the first um, you know, fiscal agents for um, the CTC, when our awesome uh, Sandra here used to staff it from Holden before, thanks to Western Reserve, uh, now has the CTC. Um, we've had a chance to work at the system level and understand that. Now, in the last three years, working, um, the last two years, working with our community development partners on the ground helps us appreciate the nuances of how it looks. Just, just so you understand, um, people on... How it shows up is very different. In some neighborhoods, it shows up as a planning project and as a project for master planning. You, uh, it's a green infrastructure strategy. And in other places, it is asking for maintenance for trees on private properties. This is what causes that divisive thing. So in some places, you're not talking about planting for trees. So our role is to hear about what is going on because to reforest across the city in Edgewater that has a massive canopy, um, can advocate for different resources and ask for it differently. While in Central Kinsman, it's asking to make sure that the CTAP program that we have at the city needs to be expanded so that someone can actually maintain that tree before they can plant something new because that tree, if it is not maintained, is going to cause damage to their roof and is going to make their living environment unsafe. So this is what makes it so divisive. And when we have to reforest, we've got to think about it from these different perspectives, which again makes it extremely uh, important for us all to convene together as CDC partners across to share the expertise that everybody has. Um, I'm gonna leave it at that to say, um, you know, that's, that's really the beauty of working together with everybody, the peer learning and the support and the partnership that everybody brings to this um, conversation. Thank you so much, Divya. <laughs> Crystal, you have been drawn to this work for some reason, both in Conwood and Slavic Village and, and just in your daily life. Tell us why this is so important to you from the heart. Yeah, so... I kind of want to go back a little bit and talk about Slavic Village specifically and the tree canopy percentage there um, and the work that we're doing on the ground. Um, one of my passions is working with people. Um, I came to community development um, through trade, through service industry, um, and be, really being a servant to others. And so um, tree canopy in Slavic Village is holding steady at 18%. We're not gaining canopy. We're not losing canopy. We will lose canopy if we don't maintain what we have. So the biggest piece of our work has been uh, working with uh, the County Planning Commission 
through the HUTC grant, the Healthy Urban Tree Canopy Grant, to inventory our right-of-way trees and to make a recommendation for every single right-of-way tree in our service area. Um, we've been at that work for about four years now, uh, working with Urban Forestry to share that, the information that we're collecting, to share that plan. Um, and it really is something I think that speaks to um, environmental justice in the built environment in the public space. So that is our most impactful work uh, right now. What we're also doing is working, this year we have um, a goal to plant 100 residential trees. And what we've learned, what we've heard from our residents is that they um, really need resources to maintain um, mature trees on their property, um, which is especially challenging, I think, for aging residents um, who are on uh, set or limited income. And so um, one of the things that we've worked with with both the coalition and CMPs to have those conversations to say, these are the needs that we're hearing um, as we also are having the conversation to plant new trees. Um, the other piece we're kind of looking at, in the past we've, um, we've planted trees on vacant lots to activate them and to also deter dumping. Um, which is a health and safety issue for our neighborhoods. Um, and um, we're becoming more strategic about that so we can keep track of these trees that we're planting and really care for them um, to, at least through young tree development. Um, and so we're really building, or we're really planting now at sites that we have um, maybe a pocket garden plan for and really being a lot more intentional about that. Um, something new this year for us that we're doing, we, are, we have activated uh, a green team, super excited about our green team, um, based on a model out of Youngstown, uh, their um, outdoor crew, um, but then also uh, talking with Old Brooklyn about their model and really bringing those two pieces together to be able to, uh, one, uh, work with our residents, like really getting in there and working hand in hand with our residents, but then also creating this um, avenue for uh, not only skill development and really, you know, residents seeing themselves in green space, in green jobs, but then also for networking and being able to have these uh, conversations about the health of our urban can canopy and like what we can do on a really fundamental, foundational level. Um, so those are my passions, and that's why, yeah. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, you know, we went from the 1800s where large cities like Cleveland viewed trees as essential infrastructure, and then it wasn't essential infrastructure, and now we're learning through human observation, through countless studies, all kinds of science, they are actually essential, even though we kind of forgot about that for a little while. We heard from both Sam and Divya that they're planners, and they both mentioned this term infrastructure. Love for both of you to riff on that for a second and talk to us a little bit more about why that infrastructure is so essential to various aspects of society. Yeah, I can, I can start that off. I was gonna. I, I always love to refer and often refer to trees as pieces of green infrastructure and in conversation, just to reaffirm the fact that they are not some aesthetically. Of course, they provide beautification benefits and aesthetics, but they serve a much role, a much larger role in the ecosystem. When we're thinking about trees as a critical piece of infrastructure, they help to mitigate heat island impacts. They help with stormwater sequestration. I see my friends here at the sewer district nodding their heads <laughs> as, as such a significant role that they play. They have immense as we talk about their ecological benefits, but they have immense return on investment in terms of social determinants of health and public health here in Cleveland and Cuyahoga County. We have residents who are living every day with, I mean, just 
a great deal of upper respiratory and cardiovascular disease. And when you're looking at the census tract lines and, and looking at those neighborhoods in the public health data, and you're looking at those neighborhoods in the uh, urban tree canopy data, of course, they are lining up, of course, with red lines, but they're also showing a significant disparity that black and brown communities are faced with on a daily basis. So when I say a piece of infrastructure, Absolutely, they serve as a great deal of support for our built environment and our ecological benefits. Uh, but there are so many implications that they have on our quality of life, which is why I always say it's important for us to think about this, this work through a very holistic lens. Yes, it's environmental, but it's also community development. It's also economic development. And when we start thinking about and shifting our perspective about the value of trees and the role that they play in our ecosystem, um, then we begin to see how critically important it is for us to make an investment in it, both from a financial standpoint as well as a policy and protection. Um, because again, these communities that are the most vulnerable are also the ones that are on the front line for climate hazard. <laughs> They're on the front line of impacts of climate change. Um, and oftentimes these communities don't see themselves in that, so they don't understand that they're also going to be the ones that are going to be the most impacted. So when I talk about trees as infrastructure, um, they play a significant role in helping us to fortify our neighborhoods on the ground first against climate change. Well, Sam, I think you laid it out pretty well there. You've covered, you know, everything that, you know, should be touched upon in this case because it is, again, the extremely integrated lens. So how we think about implementing this also comes from that similar integrated lens that we look at in a comprehensive. So we try to think about who talks to what language and how do we integrate that because it plays a critical role in everybody's line of work whether they want to elevate it and understand it or not. So it is important for us to identify that language to be able to communicate that value to them. Um, for, I mean, I, I could just to lay out an example. Um, trees, if you look at, now everyone's talking about decarbonization strategy, which is really trying to look at how much carbon can, um, is getting sucked out. How much carbon are we replacing? That is carbon, carbon dioxide is the reason why we have our greenhouse gas emissions. Um, um, raising, right? So our goal is to control that. Now, if you are thinking about trees as just a carbon decarbonization strategy, then we might not hit the mark fully. But if we think about it at the whole system approach, ecosystems, the habitat approach, the savings that it is giving to people for their energy benefits and thereby allowing people to have a little bit more food on their table and better, uh, you know, a class for their child because they are able to pay their utility bill a little bit better because they have a tree reducing their, you know, energy cost by sometimes 30% in some cases, right? Um, by thinking about how we're, um, we have wood in our construction and our furniture and everything, and we need services that we are grossly dependent on for our maintenance purposes. What does it look like if we think collectively when we keep using the word public-private partnerships to think about building an infrastructure that serves our local need through all these different languages that we are talking about. Then we sort of collectively raise the value of trees so much more because it is stacking the co-benefits of it. It is identifying the synergies of how we're doing it. So when we're talking about replacing our sidewalks, can we think about replacing them right so that they can handle what we are going to plant for the future? Um, because if we did that and if we planned it right, we can think about, I mean, another thing that I did not address here is lead remediation. You could, you know, that it captures one of that purpose and then specific trees could encapsulate that. You use them differently. Food security, agroforestry and cottage industry as a, as a, so it plays an important role in that in that thinking, but the infrastructure that we think about upstream and plan for the future that we want to have, we should start thinking about it now and we should sort of expand that table of partners through that language in the conversation because we are all synergistic, we have multiple land uses and we can stack them. Amen. Thank you. All right, we are about to begin the traditional audience Q&A. 
for our live stream and radio audience, or those just joining, I'm Rich Cochran, President and Chief Executive Officer at Western Reserve Land Conservancy and Chair of the Cleveland Tree Coalition Executive Committee. Today we are talking about what it will take to reforest the forest city. Joining me on stage is Samir Malone, Director of the Cleveland Tree Coalition, Crystal Sierra, Director of Neighborhood Sustainability at Slavic Village CDC, and Divya Shridhar, Manager of Climate Resiliency and Sustainability at Cleveland Neighborhood Progress. We welcome questions from everyone at this forum of free speech and democracy. City Club members, guests, students, and those joining via our live stream at cityclub.org or radio broadcast at 89.7 IdeaStream Public Media. If you'd like to text a question to our speakers, please text it to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. And City Club staff will try to work it into the program. May we have our first question, please? Yes, you may. Uh, great panel discussion on a really important topic. It seems to me that there are two ways to address the situation that we're in. One is uh, voluntary, and you're probably preaching to the choir here, and the other is regulatory. I know that in, in Washington, D.C., uh, they have regulations that protect what they call legacy trees. And building, if you're going to build on a site that has a legacy tree or develop a site that has a legacy tree, you've got to clear it and get and either, either work your plans around it or replace it. Uh, what, if any, municipalities or governmental ent entities in our area have such regulations, and is there any plan to begin the process of introducing that kind of regulatory authority? All right, there we go. Um, let me turn that off. Um, I think regulations is, also, is definitely an interesting conversation and I think plays a significant role in the protection of what we're trying to accomplish in terms of not only urban canopy growth, but um, sustained urban canopy growth so we don't find ourselves here in another 50 years. And I'll definitely say there is codified legislation on the books here in City of Cleveland and in municipalities across Cuyahoga County. But the biggest point to that is not only just having the codified regulations and protections on the book, but it's also the enforcement of that. And enforcement also requires resources and investment from our local government agencies to be able to go out and actually enforce what's on the books to be able to support not only the sustained growth of our forests, but also look at how we're generating revenue streams to continue to support because trees are not free. Um, and they take a great deal of money not only to plant, but also to establish and maintain for the long haul. I think that there is going to be an immense amount of growth and interest both from the uh, federal government down to local municipalities around protections, especially since there's such a significant push from our current government around protection of, I mean, around zero carbon initiatives. And even when we think about uh, this new growing um, carbon credits markets and trees playing such a significant role in that model, I definitely think that there is going to be a move and a push in the direction of regulation. But I think in order for trees to be, again, invested and prioritized, like we've talked about as being critical pieces of infrastructure and not just accessory, um, there's definitely going to need to be more steadfast, like regulation and, and, and policy to help support that. Thank you, Sam. Let me add one concept to that, which some of you may be thinking, what can I do to help? Maybe, maybe we are preaching to some choir here. And I believe that politics very rarely leads, and sentiment leads, public sentiment. And so to the degree you have the ear of a pol politician, a candidate, an elected official, a bureaucrat, an agency leader, your strong sentiment is actually what will move the regulatory structure. They will not move until they understand the sentiment wants to move. Next question, please. Hi, thank you for being here today. I am with students from MC Squared STEM High School. And, and I'm wondering if any of your organizations have programs such as service learning projects for young people to get involved, educate their communities about the importance of the tree canopy. Um, and if not, is that something that you would be considering? 
Who wants to take that first? Go ahead, Crystal. Um, so in the past, we've worked very closely with um, an organization called CAP Academy um, that employs uh, youth in the summer through the Youth Opportunities Unlimited program. Um, and CAP Academy does uh, work in the green space, place-based work, uh, really interesting stuff. Um, so our organization has worked with them, and I, I believe that's happening in other neighborhoods across the city as well. Um, Youth Opportunities Unlimited is, is a really great organization for that. I, I wanted to follow up on the, the uh, topic that you mentioned about workforce development. Um, I'm Ed Moydell. I'm the new president and CEO of Holden Forest and Gardens, and I, I'm absolutely inspired by what you're doing. And we're thrilled to be a founding partner, um, and I, I think this is a problem that no organization could manage alone. And it takes signif uh, a significant leadership and dedication, and I think I, ju I just want to start by saluting Western Reserve Land Conservancy for the leadership you've shown to bring all of these organizations together. Um, and what we provide in terms of our expertise is science and research, um, education, some aftercare, and, and some workforce development. I would be curious to know from all of you, there's so much opportunity for workforce development. How can we as partners work with you all to provide these opportunities? What do you see some of them are? And how can we as partners help with that? Thanks, Ed. Who'd like to start? Okay. Go ahead. Off, yeah. Um, so, well, first and foremost, Holden has been such a critical partner in this work um, from both the research component and best practices um, knowledge that you all bring to the coalition has been invaluable. Uh, but I think the workforce development component is really important from a few lens. It's one, looking at how we're scaling up our workforce development and the folks that we're going to need in order, as I mentioned earlier, to really reach that robust goal. But it's also looking about how we can expand the existing skill set of practitioners within this current workforce development stream. What does it look like for Holden or any other partners to play a role in bringing certification? Um, what does it look like certifications, the various tree care certifications that you get and can, that you can get to help provide to the capacity of this work. Um, I think it looks like also helping out and providing resources for our, our small contractor uh, industry. We have so many tree care companies that have been developed over the last few years. Um, and so one of the things that the coalition has been really steadfast and helping to be a dot connector on is many of these grant funded programs that are happening in neighborhoods like Slavic Village that are happening in neighborhoods like Central, um, they're grant funded. So they've been funded either through the Healthy Urban Tree Canopy Grant Program or the CTC Grant Program ourselves. But where we're looking at this is, is not only an opportunity to fortify and increase tree act canopy activity in those neighborhoods, but also helping to outfit some of those small tree care contractors and plug them into these grant projects and really create a hyper-local economy that is serving a greater good of a neighborhood. Um, so we've been really, really doing that work kind of grassroots over the last year and a half. Um, but I definitely think, as I've mentioned, and many of my colleagues have reiterated here on the stage, we're going to have to look at a whole systems approach, and we're really going to have to think about what we're going to need to scale up to over the next 30 years. Because what the work that we're doing in both tree planting and tree preservation is really laying the groundwork of the canopy that we're going to see in another 30, 40 years. So we have to think about the workforce tracking with that in the same framework. Anybody else on that one? Please, yeah. And if there's just one more thing to add to that, I think it's the wraparound services that we need to have when we do our workforce training. Once we project to what we need to have to maintain the canopy, who else should we have at the table that will provide the services once you, need, once you get the people? You don't get people until you're able to keep them in that place and that they see the value in this work over time and they feel supported overall as well. So I think it's growing that um, component there as well. I would just add, um, you know, these the workforce development pieces, these programs, right? The neighborhood level engagement, community engagement. That's something that needs to have sustainable funding. Every yep. year, we're going out and we're writing grants to fund our, you know, green team mm -hmm. to fund our stewards programs. Like we we need to grow this pot of sustainable funding because. Um, our residents are going to be the ones 
who are talking to their neighbors about the benefits of Urban Tree Canopy and really having that residential buy-in is so important. And absolutely, and I think the value of how we look for funding has got to change from an annual year-to-year yep. -year funding model to a compete against each other model to something that we understand that needs to happen for everybody. Everybody comes from a different capacity to be able to equitably distribute those resources because we are not against one another. Mm -mm. That's something that we need to keep conditioning ourselves to thinking that we need to grow this and we need to grow this. We need a trust-based model and a model that sort of values people for the time that they give um, and change the nature of how we are funding things. Mm -hmm. Back in 2016, I was honored to be the first ever Tree Steward Volunteer of the Year Award given by the Land Conservancy in Holden. Uh, hold your applause. Um, I have to admit, since that time, I've become very jaded. Um, I helped plant hundreds of trees, the vast majority of which today are dead. Uh, I worked on programs to uh, develop planning for the Opportunity Corridor, mm -hmm. uh, for the West Shoreway, mm -hmm. to plant native trees to improve the drainage, to put in more parkland. None of that came to fruition. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, part of me says this is another Cleveland thing of we have a lot of optimism and it goes nowhere. <laughs> what has changed <laughs> from 2016 to now that the same goals I heard in 2016 that you're stating today, wh why do we think they'll actually work when they haven't for the last eight years? Let me take that. <laughs> yeah, I'll start with that. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. I, I mean, there, that's a big question. And um, it's a very, very important point. Number one, this is hard work. Just getting a tree planted in the city of Cleveland to stay alive for three years is very, one tree, very hard work. We have crews that water these trees with 15 gallons a week for three years by hand to keep them alive. You plant a tree in Moreland Hills, it's fine. You plant a tree in Central, you have to love that thing like a baby for three years to keep it alive. It is incredibly hard work and we have all learned the hard way that you have a high mortality rate if you don't do that. So what has changed is we do that now. Mm -hmm. We baby them for th at least three years. Mm -hmm. And we have a 96%, 94% uh, survival rate right now, at least at Western Reserve. <laughs> Which is incomprehensibly high. And maybe we shouldn't take such good care of them, actually. <laughs> it's probably higher than, uh, than a natural rate of mortality. Um, or survival. So that's one thing. The other thing is we have decades of work ahead of us to get the regulatory structure right, to get the funding system right, mm -hmm. to get the public sentiment right. We are not saying that this is triple bypass surgery where the patient will be okay walking in three days and rehabbing in five, like times that by a thousand. So I just want everybody to understand this does feel good in the moment but it's gonna take never give up attitude. It's gonna take fierce, passionate work. It's gonna take enduring effort. That's the answer. Would you guys like that, anything that? I just would like to reiterate the importance and investment in maintenance. I think that even within the last two years of me serving in this role, there has been a critical shift in understanding the importance of not only allocating, you know, resources to planting a tree, but resources to actually stewarding that tree and its establishment to full term so it can grow to receive those full canopy, canopy, canopy benefits. Um, and also not only just the prioritization of making sure that there is maintenance dollars attached to those trees, but also thinking about how we're creatively bridging the gap to bring resources here into the city 
to maintain our existing tree canopy. And I think that the federal government's recent investment of $1.5 billion into community and urban forestry has been the, the largest sum of investment that we've seen in the U.S. Forest Service in at least my lifetime. Um, so there is beginning to be a shift in the critical consciousness about not only that trees are a value and that we need to not only plant and care for them, but the realistic the realistic amount of how much it actually takes to care and maintain for that piece of infrastructure for the long haul, just like you have to take care of sidewalks, just like you have to take care of roadways. And I think as we continue to push in and lean into that collective consciousness, not just only from residents and community stakeholders, but we begin to shift the tide and perception around legislators and lawmakers that will begin to see us really feel the sustained effort of our work. We, in about five minutes, we will be abruptly interrupted um, and end the forum. So I want to make sure we get to our next question. And we'll, let's keep it as quick as we can go and make sure we get to all the questions. OK, so I want to ask if you could explain a bit more about the green team and what exactly plans do you have for it? Yeah, so our green team is sort of, um, they have four main responsibilities. Um, the primary responsibility is to do education and outreach around uh, the tree services provided by City of Cleveland um, and also what's available through our organization. So that is their primary responsibility. Um, they're also going to be assisting us with um, some, um, some planning efforts, some land use planning, so looking at um, vacant, lot, uh, vacant land in our service area and determining or ground truthing uh, what the city says this vacant land should be and what you know, residents think this land should be. Um, so that's the second piece that they're looking at um, or working on. Uh, the, third, uh, the third responsibility is actually our planting projects. We have, uh, we have a number of spring planting projects planned, and we have a number of fall planting projects planned. So they will be helping us with those two big seasons. Um, and then the final piece, the fourth piece that our green team will be helping with is to help maintain um, our gardens where we've done planting projects in the past. So that could be um, that could be light trash pickup. It could be pruning workshops. It could be mulching. Um, so yeah, so that is the scope of our green team. Thank you. Um, hello, my name is Kyle, and I would like to know if planting trees in more red-lined areas can, you know, boost up the value and may, I mean, not boost up the value, may maybe make it more for, like, people wanting to live there, and that could get more people in Cleveland into houses, and that could help solve the um, homeless problem that we have in Cleveland. Yeah, with Sam? Yeah, I'd definitely say as Divya's really, really done a great job of like expressing how this is, this work is not siloed, it's not isolated. So our urban tree canopy and the investments that we make in it have so many direct and co-benefits that it provides. And as I mentioned earlier, economic development is a piece of it. So, I mean, statistically, we have seen that neighborhoods that have a higher tree canopy have a higher property value, both from the commercial and real estate standpoint. And so is it the only determining factor in what what ends up in terms of neighborhood density? No, but it plays a significant component in it. Um, and I think that we think about that not only from the standpoint of what invites more people into Cleveland, but also what makes a more fortified, uh, healthy place for existing residents in those neighborhoods to be able to experience. But yes, trees play a significant role in the quality of the environment um, and they play that role from a environmental benefits perspective as well as a built environment piece of infrastructure. Let me add one thing to that, that's a great question. I think trees canopy is kind of like a rising tide strategy. It, it lifts everything that you want to get better up and it depresses everything that you don't want to have. So it depresses crime, it lifts up property values, it increases air quality, it, decreases lead poisoning in children. All of those things are happening simultaneously. It's a foundational, this is why they always talk about it being infrastructure. 
there's one common denominator in America of where rich people live. It's not hilly areas, it's not coastal areas, it's not flat areas, it's not historically wealthy areas, it's where trees are. 100% of affluent people live in the presence of trees. And it is just a common denominator of all affluence and health. So we need to put it into every single neighborhood in America. It's not today. Any others? What an important conversation that we're having today at the City Club. Our tree canopy 2040, 40%, 30%, what's the total stat? 30%? Thank you. So excited to see that happen. I hope we'll have a follow-up conversation here soon about whether we make that. So come to City Club in 2040. We'll have that update. Uh, thank you to Samira, Crystal, Divya, and Rich for joining us at the City Club today. I'm Cynthia Connolly, Director of Programming here at the City Club. And forums like this one are made possible thanks to generous support from individuals like you. You can learn more about how to become a guardian of free speech at cityclub.org. Today's forum is part of the City Club's Sustainable Northeast Ohio series in partnership with the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District. Thank you so much for that team. Uh, I think they're here today. Uh, all right, round of applause for Sewer District. We would also like to welcome students from the MC Squared STEM High School and the Cleveland School of Architecture and Design. And we would also like to welcome guests at the tables hosted by Cleveland Metro Parks, the Cleveland Tree Coalition, Laurel School's Environmental Justice Semester, Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District, Slavic Village Development, Trust for Public Land, Western Reserve Land Conservancy, and the Young Latino Network. Thank you all for being here today. Up next at the City Club, we have so much to check out here. On Wednesday, February 28th, we will be joined by experts inside the game to discuss the upcoming NCAA Women's Final Four. That's the basketball tournament right along with the Eclipse. It is shaping up to be a great sneak pee in what we can expect here, here in Cleveland here in April. And then on Friday, March 1st, we will talk about a future for American theater. Leadership from small to mid-sized theater companies will join us, including Raymond Bobkin with Cleveland Public Theater in Gordon Square. And we've got a little Ford promo on Divya's mask here. <laughs> and speaking of Gordon Square, on Wednesday, March 6th, we will be back at the Happy Dog for a free forum discussing how we can make our city safer for pedestrians and cyclists. Our panelists will be taking on the record levels of pedestrian fatalities that have been reported over the last several years, both here in Cleveland and nationwide. You can learn more about these forums and others at cityclub.org. And that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you, members and friends of the City Club. I'm Cynthia Connolly, and this forum is now adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.